Hey, it's a brand new day and a brand new No Takers episode. I'm your host, Carlos Gilbert, also known as Carlitos. And I want to welcome new and old listeners to my second worst episode ever. You guys ready? Episode 0.1. Yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Shout out to Mike Lager for letting me use his awesome microphone. Well, guys, I think it's about time to get started. Hello, everyone, and I sincerely want to thank you for joining me again, subscribing to my YouTube channel, Note Takers Official, and liking all of our social media stuff, Note Takers page, and uh, following us on Instagram and Twitter. You know, the handle is uh, Note Takers 619. I tell you, man, I seriously don't know what I'm doing or getting myself into, but I can only trust that God knows what he's doing, and uh, I'm just following his lead. So, so glad we can journey this together. And uh, by the way, just want to let you guys know we do have a GoFundMe account rolling out there to help with the startup of this ministry. You can go to GoFundMe.com forward slash note takers and be a blessing to this ministry that's ready to reach and encourage the masses. <laughs> we have a desire to get a website built and get better equipment. We want to write books and create some neat products to encourage others to be a note taker. All right. So now that we got some of that business out of the way, let's get into today's podcast. Today's podcast uh, is really going to be about myself and my story, which led me to what you've all been listening to and all that is more to come from Note Takers. So I'm going to try to do this in a quick summary, but it's not going to be that way. So I'll give you a quick summary and then a long summary. <laughs> Here we go. I was born in San Diego and raised by a single mother and my sister. My dad, he was in and out of my life, coming back in to either take money from my mom or abuse her. Seeing this made me grow up with anger towards him. So my life mission was, when I grow up, I'm going to find my dad and kill him. That's pretty interesting, right? Like, normally it's like, when I grow up, I want to be a firefighter. Well, no, I want to grow up, find my dad, and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> oh, well, thank God for his mercy on my life. And uh, we'll get to that a little later. At the age of three, I had to undergo a major surgery because the doctor discovered that my ball joint in my hip wasn't fully developed. And at the age of six, at a family reunion, we went to a play at the park where there was a slide. And um, I decided I liked the slide. And so I went to climb up the ladder. And then I fell down from the slide, breaking both my arms and both my legs. Now, mind you, this was in Mexico, in TJ. They don't really have everything put together. So you climb up on the ladder. And there's the platform that you normally go across to then go down the slide. Well, the platform had this big old hole. And somehow I either slipped or decided to take a rest and sat and then fell through the hole. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a crazy thing. But shortly thereafter, there's another thing that happened. that The doctors began to realize that I had a curve in my back. And uh, normally people have, you know, a curve um, in their back and then they, they grow out of it. But in my case, uh, they listed it as scoliosis. And then rather than me having one curve, it became two curves. So I had one at the top and one at the bottom. And uh, it eventually got so bad that I had to get two surgeries done in order for them to try and straighten it out. Um, so, But around this time, right before I had my surgery, my brother-in-law, who was caught up in gangs, had gotten saved and began inviting me to church. So I walked into church and was super excited because this church actually had like musical instruments. And at the time, I began to get into uh, music and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, but, but this wasn't the first time that I had experienced church. When I was younger, I would go visit my aunt in Seattle, 
who was a very devout Catholic. And, and at the time, though I had lots of questions, I always walked away wondering what it was like to be a man of God. You know, I would come back home and go, go to kids' church at a, at a Baptist church with my friends, still wondering what it was like to be a man of God. Uh, so now, you know, coming into this church where I was like blown away because I, I was drawn in, uh, not so much though by the music, but by the presence of something that I, I couldn't explain. Now, let me explain a little bit about this church. Now, this church was a Spanish church, and uh, so problem was, I just, I never spoke a, a lick of Spanish in my life, and uh, I am Mexican, but I just, my mom never taught it to me, so, but uh, little by little, I began to understand so uh, one day we were praying, and, and if you go to Spanish church, you, you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, we were up at the altar crying out to God and with mocos everywhere <laughs> and wrapped up tissues galore. Um, however, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't crying. I was, didn't have mocos or anything. I, I just I really didn't know how to pray. I didn't really understand what was going on. But my brother-in-law who was next to me, he, he did, obviously. And he began to pray for me, and, and he said this. He said, God... Even if he needs a pair of shoes, I know you can provide it for him. Now, at that moment, it was almost like a, I don't want to say an out-of-body experience, but I can remember a time when I was young, and I remember I could see my parents arguing, my mom and my dad, and they were they were arguing about, uh, you know, about you know not having enough money, and I could recall her saying, "You don't even have ten dollars to give me to get your son a pair of shoes," and for whatever reason, during this time, uh, it, this came back to me at that moment, and I asked God. Do you really care about me in that way? And at that moment, when I was there in front of the altar, I felt this overwhelming presence. And it was then where I understood what the love of a father meant. That moment changed me ever since then. And then shortly after that, I went into surgery over the summer for my back. Spending time in the hospital, I slowly began to understand that my father God was there. During this time, my mom got remarried, and now I had the stepdad who cared for me and spent time with me. You know, God just really began to do so many things in my heart during that time, and I just really didn't understand it. But um, after I got out of the hospital, I continued going to church with my brother-in-law and my sister. It, it was an English church uh, with passionate pastors and a youth pastor that took me under his wing. We would always get in trouble because he would bring my friends and I home late. I can remember my mom every single time. She was like so mad. She's like, she's like, what are you doing? You can't be bringing them home late. You know, my mom didn't grow up in church. She was a, a chain smoker, and, you know, she just, all she saw in her life was people who were following after God, but it was always a phase, you know. It was always a time where they were, quote-unquote, Christians, and then they would fall back away. And so, you know, seeing this and seeing my brother-in-law do, you know, get into all this, and then me hanging out with the youth pastor and all my friends, you know, all she was saying that it was all a, fa a fad, and that uh, it was all going to go away. It was all going to go away. But, um, you know, it was so interesting. God put me in a place where, along with my youth pastor, I had some great mentors, and they just fueled a huge passion in my heart for God. You know, and so as I continued to grow, you know, I started high school and uh, I went on to start a Christian club. And at the Christian club, because, you know, back then you just like deep, in, you know, into the into the word and all that stuff that I, we had um, two Bible studies going, one on Monday and one on Fridays. And then in the middle of the week, we had a prayer meeting. And uh, usually our prayer meeting was crazy. Like we would just, uh, everybody would be praying, people would be sprawled out on the floor crying out to God. I mean, like tears and everything and people were just really being changed and we had like all different type of people we had Catholics in there we had uh, Apostolics we had Pentecostals and it was just like so crazy right And but people were literally you know walking in with the nominations they were coming in and having a true experience with God and that was just an amazing time 
uh, in our lives. And, and even, you know, some of my friends from that group, uh, we would, uh, after school, we would rush home and then we would go to lock ourselves in a bedroom and just cry out to God. We turn on that music back then, you know, uh, the big stuff was like Ron Cannoli and, and Marcos Wheat, you know, give a shout out to them. They, they just had just such this passionate music that we would listen to that you would just, you know, crying your heart out to God and wanting Him so much more. And it was just a great, great time. And so, um, you know, after the years went by, you know, although I was passionate, you know, even during my high school years, I was also dealing with this teenager thing. And, uh, you know, we see a lot of uh, young boys go through this, and it's called lust. And uh, I began to get addicted to porn as well. And, um, you know, I would open up my heart to my leaders, and I would seek help from others, but my fleshly desires, you know, would overtake me. And it, it was just not good for me. So, though I struggled, you know, it's, it's amazing to see what God will do in, in your life, uh, even when your heart is set on Him. You may be struggling right now, but do not give up, because uh, I'm just going to stop here and let you know that there is freedom for you, and that there's life after porn, there is life after all of that mess, and that God has a way for you. So let me continue, because I have a lot to go through. But um, after I graduated high school, I pursued a girl that I knew who had gone away from our church. But then she began, began to come back, and in the year 2000, I got married to her. Uh, she was 18, and I was 19. It wasn't really as recommended. My, my mom was like, yeah, you'll go get married. But my pastor was like, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to heed that. But either way, I went forward. She went forward. You know, we were young. We didn't know much. But, uh, you know, for myself, I had this internal desire because of what I saw my real dad did to my mom. I was making it a, a personal endeavor that I was going to be the best husband ever. And uh, this was a great goal. But, uh, of course, over the years um, of my marriage, I, I failed. And, um, and the reasons for that is because I had elevated that goal above God. You know, during that time, I had focused so much on trying to please my wife that I had set such a high standard for myself that I failed time and time again. And, uh, you know, because of all those failings, uh, it led to insecurity and uh, it led me to just, again, secluding myself, trying to hide my porn addiction and be someone that I, I could never be. So eventually, you know, as you could imagine, the trust level was at an all-time low in my marriage. So, you know, by this time, about 10 years into my marriage, I had just graduated college and I was working for a church at the time and um, I was a whopping 197 pounds but uh, at a weight of four feet nine inches so you can imagine you know maybe a little butterball you know walking around um you know i, I definitely wasn't pleased with myself but I, I knew that something had to change so i knew that i could change it because i remember when i was in high school and as a ninth grade i was like hey i was working out you know i knew that i could do something so i decided that now was the time to begin to get everything right you know i was done with college and i didn't have to worry about that anymore the stress levels that was involved with that and you know the the constant uh, problems in our marriage just you know just wasn't very good for me so i said god okay now's the time this time i'm going to do things right i'm going to get myself physically mentally and spiritually healthy so uh, because again i i worked out in ninth grade i began to 
make all the changes. So instead, uh, I started to do just the little things, which would make a difference, right? Like cutting out all the soda, uh, watching my portions, and then I'd start taking little walks around the neighborhood, which I totally love because I turned that into my, my, my little prayer walk. So I would do like a mile and a half each day, you know, 45 minutes, and just really begin to pray and allowing God to really uh, work uh, in my life. And so um, I also decided that at the same time that I was going to uh, fast and pray. And so I, I did this, and then God began at the time to lead me a non-book reader to some books that really helped me spiritually and mentally get healthier and in my life there was a friend who also would encourage me to journal all that I was going through and uh, they would share with me scripture after scripture reminding me that God loved me and that he was for me and it was so good and uh but all around the same time you know this everything like i'm rediscovering myself i'm enjoying the outdoors and i'm getting around i'm starting to lose some weight and uh, at the same time my, my wife got pregnant but there was so much going on that uh, after my daughter was born in 2011 you know things began to really go south really quick my wife and i separated and it was a tough situation because there was really no one we could talk to in the church and with what little money we had we attempted to go through counseling and still it resulted in no resolve to our situation. So uh, one day, I just happened to be going through a magazine where I saw this ad for a ministry called Rhythm in 20. And the ad didn't give me much information. Their promo video was just a bunch of guys talking around out in the woods. But something reached out and literally grabbed my heart. So I began to do research and I read about the caliber of the men who ran this ministry. And, and so I stepped out. And I applied because you had to apply for it. It wasn't something that you just sign up and go to like a men's conference. It was something that was so different than a men's conference. And so you had to apply for it. And, um, I, you know, I apparently met all the criteria. You know, I was a church leader and I was broken. So I think it worked out well. I figured that this was the way that I could be open and then find some sort of healing and resolve in my heart to what had been going on in my life. You know, it's hard when you're working for a church and you're like the right-hand man to the pastor, like you know, uh, to, to really be open about this stuff, right? Because it's not supposed to happen to Christians, right? All this stuff. So um, so anyway, so one day I was heading to work and uh, I can recall that day when I got this phone call from one of the leaders. His name was Kyle. And I pulled into the church parking lot and uh, I took the call. And then but for the next 20 minutes, I bawled like a baby. I just kept on crying and crying and crying. Now, this was supposed to be my interview call. Um, I didn't know if I could answer all the questions right. I was like super nervous and, you know, I, I didn't know if I would be accepted. And uh, I know I needed the answers, you know, to my, my issues and stuff, but I really needed them at that moment. And, uh, but, you know, I hung up the phone and uh, about a day later received the call stating that I made it into this group. I was so, like, super ecstatic, super you know, just, uh, you know, I was just so taken aback and just thanking God because, you know, of what was going on. I mean, I really didn't have any friends. My wife and I at the time were over young adults and, you know, our, all of our friendship has just kind of exploded. And, and I say that it means that, you know, it's not like anybody didn't want to be there for us. They They wanted to be, but they didn't want to, like, take sides, but yet they didn't understand everything. And, you know, it was just so, so weird. And so I understand, you know, what was going on. But yeah, it was super lonely uh, because you just you and you trying to gather all this together between you and, and God. So anyway, so, um, you know, I was super excited again. Just, you know, I was just waiting for and I was hoping to find newness of life. And I was hoping that this trip uh, for, with this group would uh, would fix any of the last things that were wrong with me. And so the weeks went on. About two weeks right before I went on the trip, 
I got served with divorce papers. And um, at that moment, I just I just stopped everything, you know. I didn't know what was going to happen, you know. I've, I've seen my mom go through divorce, you know. I've seen other people go through divorce. And, you know, I didn't know whether I was going to have to pay child support because I had a daughter now. Um, I didn't know if I had to pay spouse support because in California, that's, you know, the way they do things. And, and so I quickly got on the phone uh, to the Rhythm in 20 uh, the group and, and I called them up and I said, you know what, this is what happened. And, um, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to go. Um, and, and I don't want to prevent anybody else from being able to go because, you know, to be honest, I wasn't sure if I could even pay for my room and board, you know, the way the organization is set up is they have investors that really pour into each person's life that goes. And so it makes it very doable. And, uh, you know, but I didn't have that much money and I saved what little I could and, you know, and I had already bought my plane ticket, but, you know, here I was in this predicament and I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to go because I'm going to have to shell out all this money to be able to go on this trip and, and I don't have it. So in explaining this to the lady, the lady, you know, told me, uh, she asked me to, to be put on hold. So I got put on hold and uh, waited for five minutes and you can imagine I'm like, ah, all crazy. But uh, she came back on the line and she said, did you already buy your plane ticket? And I said, yes, I bought it months ago. And uh, she said, then fine, fly out here and we'll take care of you because you need to be here. And I was just like, what the heck, man? You know, God, he made a way where, you know, there was just literally seemed to be no way. You know, I was afraid and scared at everything that was happening at that moment. And I had my daughter, and I didn't know anything to do. I didn't have anybody to talk to, but I only had this opportunity. And I knew that I had to go, you know. I knew that this was something that God was calling me to. I didn't understand it all, but I knew that something was going to happen. So during these two years, from 2010, 2012, up until the time where I, I encountered this Rhythm in 20, you know, I was on this journey, you know, throughout the whole time, you know, when I decided to make my change in 2010 after college, and I began to really uh, to take on this journey of praying and fasting and journaling. And uh, in the course of that time, I also dropped down to 115 pounds. Crazy, but it happened. And uh, this was the moment uh, for me where things really began to pull together. So... You know, here I was, I had this opportunity to be able to go to Rhythm 20, and, um, you know, so here I am. Uh, you know, let me give you a little bit more information about this organization, you know. This is an organization that uh, doesn't give you much. Uh, they call you to come out on a limb to meet 19 other guys whom you have never met in your life. Now, these are guys that come from all over the nation, and uh, but at this moment, you know, I was just crazy. Um, and I was crazy enough to go because God had called me again. You know, I just knew that the first time I saw the ad that it just literally gripped my heart and I knew that somehow that all of this was all going to go make sense. So um, as I continued, I, I ended up taking off. I took my first trip uh, to meet these guys out uh, in Lake Estes, Colorado. And uh, I've never been there before, and I was, like, super worried that we were going to spend days backpacking in the mountains. In the promo video, you know, all these manly men, you know, they're out in the mountains, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's so not me. I mean, I love camping, but by no means, uh, I'm uh, I'm not an outdoorsman. So, um, anyways, so we get there, and we all begin to meet each other, and we have our first meeting at, at the night at one of the houses. Uh, we're staying in these, you know, big old vacation houses and stuff, and, and, and we come to this first meeting. And I sat there, and we began to worship. And then everything that went on that night 
God had revealed and ministered to me over the last two years. It was so weird. Like everything that uh, the guy talked about, everything that, you know, even the worship songs that we you know, worship to, it was all centering and, and like almost like, you know, because I was so afraid that I wasn't hearing from God. I was so afraid that, you know, I was just going crazy throughout my, my time of difficulty. And uh, I was journaling all this and all of it made sense because there was scripture and verse that God was giving me time after time, all the time I was journaling. And, and, and I was just not believing God every step of the way. And I'm like, no, no, you know, this can't be you. This is crazy. You know, I, I'm not in my right mind. And yet here I was that first night. And that first night, God began to show me that everything that I have taken you through, I'm going to take you again through these next couple of days to prove to you that you have heard from me, that you have listened to every word that I've spoken to you. Man, I was so wrecked that night because God literally filled everything to the T. If I went back over my journal and I went through those three nights, it was everything from top to bottom, from scripture to scripture. I was so, so wrecked. Uh, I cried and I just could not stop that night. I was hurt, but, you know, because all the pain of like, you know, not believing God and, and, and all the hurt of what I was going through and the confusion, I was so thankful to God because he was bringing to literal form everything that I had written about to life and it helped me to realize that I was truly, truly hearing from God. You know, he did hear my cries and now I'm in the place where he wants me to be. You know, that's where I, I, I thought and so for the next couple of days, I spent the days not backpacking but actually listening you know, but not listening to men, but listening to God. All the men that were there had stories. They all were pastors or leaders or chefs or businessmen and even high-profile people in politics. And here I was in the midst of where God was. But of course, He was there with me the whole, whole time. And uh, one of the special things about this, this first time I went there was this first project that we had to do. And this first project was so, so tough for me. Uh, this project... Uh, was uh, this project requested that I write out happenings of the previous year until the day on a timeline. So I was instructed to put all the negative on the bottom of that timeline and the positive on the top of that of that timeline using different color stickies to indicate what they were attributed to, things like uh, family, work, ministry, and personal things. So like if uh, something happened in my in the ministry I worked with or um, that... Um, it was, you know, uh, a good thing, you know, we had, you know, an increase in church. So I would put that and the positive things uh, on, on the timeline. And uh, so I would use that to mark these different things that happened. And, but when I started this project, my mindset was so, like, negative. So I almost didn't even begin because I knew that one positive thing that I would probably list would be the birth of my daughter, right? Which is a great thing. But my mind was just so, you know, hurt and crazy that I just, thought that everything was going to be on the bottom end and so I was like you know just just not really into this project because I didn't want to see that you know so they, they gave us a couple hours for this project and so I took my time because I had to literally push myself into working through this exercise and so finally I worked up the courage and I grabbed my pen and I began to draw out this line for my timeline but before my pen actually touched the paper the Holy Spirit stopped me and he told me to draw the line in a way that the line would incline so 
this didn't make sense, right? But but I obeyed. So uh, instead of drawing a flat line from left to right, I went from you know the bottom left to my to the to the top right of my of my poster board. So I drew the line. I started filling out all the positive negatives. When I was done, I realized that I had more positives than negatives. And in addition to that, I just began to cry because I began to tell God, like, wait, this doesn't make sense. You know, why did you have me draw the line in an incline? Uh, and, and his reply was this, because even though you had your bumps, you had grown all along the way. Man, that day I just lost it. I was so overwhelmed by what God was showing me. That after loads of tissues and gallons of mochas, like for real, like I felt that my project was finally done. And right when I was about to turn it in, the Holy Spirit again stopped me. And the word restored flashed before my eyes. I looked back down on my poster board and I immediately knew what God was telling me. Every single aspect that I had listed, all the things that I felt I had lost, God was telling me that He was going to restore it all. I quickly ran to grab the stickies and grabbed a marker and started writing restored and then sticking it back on the board. And then I, again, I wrote restored and sticking it on my board. I found another sticky. I wrote restored and sticking it on my board. And I, I did that until my board was completely covered in stickies. And it was reminding me that God was going to restore all that I had lost, right? It's almost like a, the whole Job concept, right? Um, everything that, you know, he lost, uh, God had gave back to him and restored it. So this time was so crazy for me because, you know, I had never journeyed so much in my life I never taken the time alone with God to just allow him to be with me without any distractions that time I left Colorado so changed all that God said he was going to restore began to get restored in me you know unfortunately my marriage never did but the relationships that I needed did and from this point on God continued me on my journey of health and healing I've experienced freedom in areas that I've declared over so many others but I've never experienced for myself you know, when I came home, I was hit with the aches and pains of things, and yet what I had learned from my trip in Colorado, I pressed in, and I made time for God and I even more. I got insight, and I got strength, and I got healing for my soul. And because uh, Rhythm in 20 was a three-year thing, I, I ended up meeting with the same group of guys the following year, and then the next. And each and every single time, we shared with each other the sorrows that we've endured and the victories that we've won. Again, you know, every single time, learning more and more each time how important it is to have balance in our life and how important it is to get away with God. It was from this time and from this journey that I've walked away being a note-taker. You see, I became a note-taker because I struggled with finding the balance in my life, managing all the things that were going on, and yet having such a desire to hear and know more and more about God. It has been two years since the term note-taker had dropped in my heart. I, although I've had many victories, is waiting in fear. I argue with God saying, what do I have to say to these people? Don't they have these great teachers, pastors, and evangelists? And his reply was simple. They do, but I have given you the words to speak to those whom I have given to you. So how could I argue? <laughs> well, I figured I wouldn't have to argue. I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> so we all know that we'll never win an argument with God. You know, he's gentle, he is firm in his love, but he'll always cause you to come closer and closer. And when you hear his heartbeat and understand that his heartbeat is for you, everything changes. In Romans chapter 11 verse 29 it says this, The gifts and callings of God in your life are irrevocable. God will never withdraw what he has called you to do. You need not to be afraid. God only does good things. You need to embrace the calling and let him embrace you. He will never let you go. He will never leave you. He will always be with you through every situation that you go through. 
I know I've gone through this quite quick, and I really left out so many things that I could share. But I believe that God has allowed me to share enough with you in this moment to reveal to you that no matter how easy or hard life is, when your heart is settled on going after God, you make way for Him to intervene in your life. Many of you are Christians that are listening to this podcast, living your life and not really living His life. We've clung to Christian cliches and have allowed ourselves to get by going through the motions. Now think about this. Jesus, when He went to the cross, didn't purchase your salvation by way of going through the motions. He did it because Jesus, God in the flesh, so loved the world. He so loved you. So my question is, is it possible to be a note-taker? And my answer to you is, yes, it is. Jesus in Luke 19 speaks of a man who goes away and gives his servants some money and tells them to occupy or do business until I come. This is a story that speaks of the way we need to be. We need to be about the business of our Father using every limb, gift, and talent that God has given us to reveal the glory of God unto others until He comes and, all the while, be at the feet of Jesus for this, He says, is the one thing that is needed. I pray that this has encouraged you and that you'll share this with your friends. My full desire is for others to know Him in real and tangible ways. I don't want to live my life. I want to live His life through me and I pray that this is the same for you. Friends, it's time to go. I love you guys. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. God loves you and make it a point every day to be a note taker. Take note of what the Holy Spirit says. Apply it to your life and let Him lead you to a place of freedom.